Pines in the pines where the sun never shines. You'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pines where the sun never shines. There's a grave that's shaded with the pines. On the Slay Queens podcast, we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. This isn't just a cheesy catchphrase. It is a note to remember that the topics we discuss can be very graphic and lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. Hello to all the folks. Hello, all you queens, kings, and folks, but primarily folks, because that encompasses everybody. (laughs) We'll wrap it all together. Yeah, I like what you did there. I like what you did there. Um, So here we are again. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, back, 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 back again. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I, I steal that 1,000% from it, Alyssa Edwards because I think Alyssa of um, all the drag queens out there who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are, are of note, I guess. Sure. Um, she's one of the more controversial ones. You either, either love her or you hate I'm her. I'm with you. And I absolutely love her. I'm always obsessing over, yeah, that's yeah. how I am. Yeah. That's exactly, that makes sense. Yep. But we are back again, so welcome, everyone. Welcome. To another episode of the Slay Queens podcast. Uh, Should we get started? Because I think we've got a lot to cover today. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. But, yeah. um, (laughs) Ashley has an amazing story for us today. I have uh, a a story. I don't even know what it is. So, we like this. Yeah, hopefully it will also be amazing. Um, Oh, I'm sure. You always tell a great story. Thank you. Uh, So let's go ahead and if you're cool with it, let's get our rainbow star out of the way. Rainbow star. Rainbow star. Okay. So the rainbow star. It needs a theme song, doesn't it? It does need a theme song. (laughs) I'll come up with that. Okay. Maybe next week. I would really appreciate you doing that because I'm not talented in any sort of way artistically. No. Yes. All right, so let's start with our S, the S of our rainbow star. Um, I want to give a shout out to Paige at uh, Reverie Crime Pod for the love that she always shows us on Twitter. Uh, Also, Ghost Planet for the love they show us on Twitter. The future is female. I think they're obsessed with you, Ashley. I'm obsessed with Um, them, so uh, I love it. (laughs) They're always showing some love. And also to Ariel from the Malice Podcast, uh, who specifically uh, shout us out, said special thanks to the Slay Queens Podcast. Um, Uh, for supporting her and all of her endeavors and she's been super successful uh so we just really really appreciate that and we appreciate her appreciation we do right ariel i love that name yeah gorgeous gorgeous also want to offer some thank yous to amy pearson on uh instagram who gave us a beautiful shout out to her personal page thank you so much amy um, also, we got a really, really lovely five-star rate review on Apple from a screen name that I personally love because this is something that I would say in my day-to-day life, uh, De Very Bestest. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's terminology that I'm pretty sure I use at least once or twice All a week. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as, and I did want to make this, um, this change because the rainbow star, uh, it's, it's relatively new. Yes. It's not yet a per use. Not yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, but it is also evolving. Uh, last week I said that we were going to use this space for acknowledgements. I also think that it would be completely appropriate to use this space for, um, announcements. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if I we have any it. of those and I actually feel like I have both okay. this week. So to tell? Did, yeah, I did want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that last week when I told the story about the, the Heaven's Gate mm-hmm. uh, religious group, um, the research that I started with, I got from 
uh, I think it was Rolling Stone, a particular publication that did identify um, when the police found uh, the bodies, um, it did describe the victims as 21 dead women and 18 dead men. We then went on to describe the people who were, affili- who were affiliated with this religious group as gender nonconforming. And even as someone ah. who was listening back to it, listening to myself do this, yeah. I immediately thought, hey, well, that's not completely appropriate. Sure. You describe these people as gender nonconforming, but you also identified them as male and female. So um, I would like to correct myself uh, in the yeah. future. In the future, uh, if I'm reporting to uh, anyone about that particular situation again, I will just refer to them as people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, or folks. We do love folks. Absolutely. Yeah. But I just folks. wanted to correct myself in that uh, and acknowledge the fact that uh, even though we put in efforts, um, we sometimes make mistakes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I that. the announcement, uh, we did put it on our social medias, um, but we are doing a, a contest of sorts. Is that what sorts. we call it? Yeah. Contest of sorts. We want to give the listeners and the folks uh, an opportunity to join us for an episode. Come be with us. Come be with Come us. Come be in our world. Yes. And my kitchen that is set up like a studio. <laughs> it looks like an adult slumber party in here. Exactly. It's real weird, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> virtually we yes. want you to come join us <laughs> you'll um, see us in all of our glory exactly but we want to record an episode with one lucky listener one yes. lucky fan uh and the way that you can be entered uh just refer to our social media but essentially it just comes down to uh, everybody who rates us uh and reviews us five stars on uh, apple podcasts your screen every your name whatever you leave there for us will be entered into the drawing uh and anybody who then goes on to share us to your social media those names will also be entered into a drawing and we are going to choose at random Mm -hmm. uh, the lucky participant so please 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 do that now please we'd love to meet you we would love to meet you (laughs) we would love to hear whatever story you want to tell or we would be happy to tell a particular story of your choice whether or not you want to actively participate yeah or you just want to kind of be a guest yeah, we've so, always had a good yeah. time with the Zoom calls, too. Absolutely. I do enjoy yeah, they a were good Zoom time. conversation. I do appreciate that. And as far as my recommendation uh, this week, hopefully uh, you've got something that you can recommend because I always love your recommendations. They're always spot on. I'm currently obsessing with the Stillhouse Lake series. It's a, like a murder mystery book series. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard of it maybe before, but I'm not Probably sure. so. Yeah. Um, Rachel Kane, uh, she's a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, she authored mm-hmm. these books. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, I don't want to go into too much, but um, great books. Okay. Uh, very murder mystery and... Uh, conspiracy theory just like kind of edge of your seat like sort of entertainment okay and special shout out to rachel kane who uh, as i said is the author um on my personal instagram account i shared a story that i had started the second book of the series and i was excited about it because i enjoyed the first book so much sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and i tagged her in it Aww. um she reshared my story to her personal instagram and messaged me directly saying, I hope you enjoy the book. Okay, see, I appreciate that so Isn't much. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so amazing. And just a quick side note, um, I'm also obsessing over uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. You know what? That 
It's Honestly, so it crazy that I just saw that that was a thing today, and then you had posted about it. T- like, we are so simpatico. <laughs> <laughs> You're so in sync. In sync. <laughs> no, legitimately, I didn't even know it was a thing either. And um, I watched. So cool. Yeah, I watch a lot of like murder mystery and like uh-huh. documentaries and things like that. So it was generated as a suggestion on my Hulu account. Right. And I'm obsessed. Well, I speaking love it. of the mystery, which I had an acknowledgement to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Unsolved Mysteries, which is another recommendation. I tried to watch the, you know, the revamp. Yeah. I don't love it. And maybe somebody can let me know why I should love it. Do you, have you watched the new? I did. I binged, I will say most of it. So you liked it. it. I, I admittedly skipped a couple of episodes. It's a little bit more documentary style, right? And and I like documentaries, Mm -hmm. but correct me if I'm wrong. They were all boring. It was all very generic, like husband and wife murder mystery type of thing where I'm like, I could just watch forensic files. You're not, you're not incorrect. I, I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. I'm like 50% there with you in the fact that I admittedly of the six episodes, I think it was six episodes. I think think I only watched three of them. So I tried the first two and I was like, I'm done. I started all of them. I finished, I think, a, about 50% of okay. them. Okay. And then I didn't. I kind of, like, threw two to three of them. I was like, uh, this is kind of not for me. Okay. Well, um, that makes sense then. Yeah. So I did, though. It did kind of, you know, make me want to go back and watch the old ones, which yeah. are on Hulu, I believe, is where I was watching mm-hmm. them. Crazy thing on one episode, which they do multiple stories, which is another thing I like, that there's multiple stories kind of entwined on an episode because I have this, like... ADD when it comes to murder mystery. I need stuff to happen constantly. Otherwise, I'm bored. <laughs> Constant um, stimuli. <laughs> which is probably why I'm covering this insane story today. I can't wait. I'm um, so excited. But yeah, they were covering the Heaven's Gate really? religious group. And the funniest thing was, it, I mean, it was maybe a 10-second description of what the group was. And all that it said was that they were a religious group who committed mass uh, suicide Believing that there was a a spaceship behind an asteroid or a meteor or something that was going to take them onto their higher level, and I was like, okay, not wrong, but <laughs> not like incorrect. a little. It was a little. More, I mean, like when you hear that, you're just like intrigued. But I don't think intrigued enough to really look into. Yeah. It. You're kind of like, okay, that's fucking weird. That's so different. Yeah. I don't care. But the way that you told the story, like, it was a really good story. So I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, you know, you could give them a little more credit. That's exactly. A, that's a cool story. <laughs> yeah, you gave a very Vague. bland Cliff's Notes version. As if you want people to be turned off by it and not research oh, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a little bit of, like, a media ploy in a way. Yeah. Well, this was part of the original um, series of Unsolved yeah. Mysteries, right? Uh-huh. And those came out and. What, the, the 90s? 90s, maybe? So maybe. It was very, well, it was, it happened, well, it was Unsolved Mystery, so something yeah. was unsolved about it, obviously. Yeah. I don't know exactly, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know exactly why it was on there. <laughs> yeah. Makes you wonder, though, if, um, if it was the culture, like, in the 90s, not to delve into, kind of, the, air quotes, alternative lifestyle. Well, a satanic panic uh, and all or, that. Uh, behind all of it. Yeah. So, I wonder if that story was retold today, if they would be more uh, sure. open about those details. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. It yeah. was more hush-hush. Yeah. Didn't even consider that. Yeah, we didn't talk about the gays then. Yeah, no. <laughs> we don't bring it up. <laughs> Not openly, anyway. There's no uh, gender non-conforming humans. Yeah. 
Um, so... So, yeah, wait, recommendation. Mm-hmm. I will recommend... I mean, this is so boring, but it's the movie that's based on what I'm going to talk about. Okay. Because, coincidentally, I have a friend slash client... Hi, Sam. Um, he brought up that... I, I believe it was on Amazon Prime or Hulu or something of that nature that said, you know, recommended for you, like, the top ten most disturbing movies of mm-hmm. all time. One of them being this movie called Maniac, which I really want to watch. If anybody's okay. seen it, please tell me you loved it. It's like where Elijah Wood is a serial killer, and you see everything from his eyes. So it's all in first person. Oh, it sounds so familiar. I think I've seen it, but I... I remember seeing to... the trailer and when I watched the trailer. Didn't realize it was Elijah Wood, because they make him so creepy looking. Okay. Um, however, the movie that I'm talking about is Snowtown. Snowtown. <laughs> spoilers. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, yeah, that... It is a really difficult movie to get through, and I read online about, you know, some people can't even get through the first 30 minutes, this, that, and the other, and trigger warning, pedophilia is a thing. So yeah. that's probably why a lot of people can't get through the first part of the movie. You know, that... I had a hard time. So, yeah. in any case, it's a great tell of this story though it's a great hollywood version of this story though if you're more in inclined to, to watch it hopefully hopefully uh people will be so intrigued and enthralled yes. by the story that you tell that they'll then go and uh watch, <laughs> watch the, movie. the movie absolutely uh should we take a quick break we will take a break and All right. we're back and we're ready i'm I, ready at least i mean i'm as ready as i'll ever be <laughs> i i'm so excited to hear the story oh, because good grief. as we were uh discussing during the break i know kind of the highlighted details of this case mm-hmm. but i don't know them in any real detail well it's you know interesting I mean? too because uh, it's one of the um sites that i will source mm-hmm. sources that i will cite Sources that I will cite yes. is a podcast, and it, it's called Murder in the Land of Oz. And these are two girls who are Australian. So mm-hmm. this being, spoiler alert again, in Australia, um, to them, it's they, they both... Each of them will tell a story each podcast episode, and this was a two-parter for them, which okay. I will add into. That's how in-depth it can get. Um, to them, it was sort of like the one girl says, oh, I'm going to cover Snowtown, and it's mm-hmm. sort of almost like taboo. You know, it's like, yeah. I can't believe you're going to talk about that. It's like us talking about uh, Gacy or Bundy. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah that's fair. Everybody kind of knows it. Everybody kind of gets it. So I'm, I'm intrigued to, that I didn't know that much, kind of like mm-hmm. you. And even for them, it was like everybody kind of knows this story already. Yeah. So It's kind of an eye roll when somebody mm-hmm. in Australia says they're going to do this, this case. This case, okay. but to yeah. me... It was so intriguing, and it made me want to watch the movie because there's a lot of names involved, Mm -hmm. so when you're kind of listening, I'm going to do my best to make it comprehensive. I think I've done pretty good at that, Um, but yeah, there's a lot of names flying around. There's a lot of victims and a lot of people involved with these victims, so yeah. Should we get started? Let's dive into it. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. All right. Okay. So first, I will cite my sources. Uh, Wikipedia, of course. Okay. I did get a publication from the ABC News Australia and the age.com.au, which was basically just where I got all the information about the victims. All right. So here we go. The Snowtown murders, also known as the Bodies in Barrels murders, were a series of murders committed by at least three men between August 1992 and May 1999 in and around Adelaide, South Australia. 
The main perpetrators were named John Justin Bunting, Robert Joe Wagner, and Mark Ray Hayden. A fourth person <laughs> named James, quote, Jamie Spiridon Vlasakis was convicted for helping to dispose of the bodies. The trial was one of the longest and most publicized in Australian legal history, which would make sense why everyone's heard about it. Yeah. Plus, uh, there's a lot of perpetrators, so I imagine that had to take place for each over the course of mm-hmm. a this long whole while. group of people. It took a long time, yeah, a long, yeah. long time, which you'll see towards the end of this. Um, so most of the bodies were found in barrels in an abandoned bank vault in Snowtown, hence the name given to the press for the murders. Only one of the victims was killed in Snowtown itself, which is approximately 87 miles north of Adelaide. And neither the 11 victims nor the three perpetrators were from the town. The killers were led by John Bunting to believe that the victims were pedophiles, homosexuals, or, quote, weak. The majority of the murders preceded by, were preceded by torture, and efforts were made to appropriate victims' identities, social security payments, and bank accounts. So basically, it was like... He decided he didn't like these people because of what they were, what he thought them to be, and has this merry band of followers to help him dispose of these people. Some kind of fucked up vigilanteism. Yeah, that's. I was actually thinking that. I'm like, so they felt like they were going out and doing something good. And it's interesting because when I describe the first victim, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready for it. This is the list of victims. Starting with, and I do believe it's in chronological order. Um, here we go. Clinton Trezice, his body was found buried in a shallow grave at Lower Light, North Adelaide in 1994. He was hit on the head with a hammer by John Bunting, who called him a pedophile. When the discovery of Trezice's body was reported on television's Australia's Most Wanted program, Bunting allegedly boasted that it was his handiwork. Cute. <laughs> just <laughs> just bragged about it. That's what he told everyone. Okay. Uh, his group of fuck fuckers. I don't even know what to call them. Like his merry band of assholes. Most, I, yeah, yeah, there we go. We'll just call him that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. The next victim was named Ray Davies, a pensioner who lived in a caravan in the backyard of a woman named Suzanne Allen. Put a pin in that. Okay. Ooh, we haven't done Ooh, that. Put a pin in Suzanne <laughs> Allen. I don't think you've ever done I don't think so. I love it. Okay. Mm. Ooh, I mm. like it. Saucy. All right. So, uh, Davies was alleged to have sexually abused Ms. Allen's grandchildren. He was strangled by Wagner and Elizabeth Harvey, who is a name that will come up again. Okay. Um, that's actually James Vlasakis's mother. But she died of cancer in 2001, so she's not really that relevant. Just know that Vlasakis' mother at some point was involved. Doesn't really matter anymore kind of thing. Um, Bunting was present at the time of this this murder. The next one was Suzanne Allen, who I just mentioned. That was John Bunting's wife. So she's a victim. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. However, I'm going to leave that one blank for right now. Okay. Because... You'll see why later. There's a little mystery there, okay? okay. She was a victim for sure, uh, but I'll talk about that later. So, yes, that was Bunting's wife. The next victim after Suzanne Allen would be Michael or Michelle Gardner, a cross-dressing homosexual obsessed with hygiene and cleanliness, which was just such an interesting description. I, I didn't want to change it. I just yeah. left it as they described it because I'm like... 
I guess that's what the general public would say. And, and that's I guess fine. <laughs> at Newsflash, grass is green. Um, I know. The sky is blue. Water is wet. <laughs> it's kind of fits. Why I thought it was fine. <laughs> As a homosexual man, <laughs> yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know many uh, homosexual men that have cro- cockroaches in their house or anything like yeah. that. So. In any case, uh, as Bunting and Robert Joe Wagner strangled Gardner, they forced him to remain standing until he died. Mm. The next victim was Barry or Vanessa Lane, which was Robert Wagner, uh, his ex-partner. So one of the assholes, ex-partners, mm. uh, previously in a relationship with Wagner, like I said, he was alleged, who was alleged to have raped him and Trezice in whose murder he was involved. So it was alleged that he raped Wagner and he raped Trezice. Okay. And he was part of the group that murdered Trezice. Okay. So he's part of this group because he was he was Robert Wagner's partner. Yeah. But then Wagner just flips on him and says no, you raped me and him, so then they just decided to kill him. So he was part of the group that participated in the yes. murders and then became a victim of yes. that group. After one, two, three, four murders, he is now a victim of this, this group. so fucked up. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to make it as comprehensive, so ask all the questions you want. Because I know it really well, but it's hard to tell this story. Well, when, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, when, when there are this many perpetrators and this many victims and uh-huh. this many names. And then they it, start becoming victims yeah, themselves it's hard in to this follow. group. Yeah. Uh, before his death, his toes were squeezed with pliers, and his bu- and by that they mean like his toenails were mm-hmm. squeezed off. Oh, yeah, peeled off. There's actually a scene in this movie where they show that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his body was wrapped in carpet before p- being placed in a barrel. The next victim is Thomas Trevelyan. A coroner initially ruled his death was suicide, but police later linked it to the Snowtown murders. Trevelyan's body was found hanging from a tree in Adelaide in 1997. A paranoid schizophrenic, he suffered hallucinations and believed the Grim Reaper was going to kill him. Trevelyan had helped murder an earlier victim, Barry Lane. So they're literally... So he helped murder the last victim, and then he ends up dead of an apparent suicide, but they found out years later that he was actually a victim of them. Jesus. So they're literally recruiting people into this group and then killing them off. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I think the reason for this one in particular was because he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. And so he was probably going to compromise their situation at some point. Maybe they didn't know it when they first met him. And then they were like, all right, this guy's got to go. You know, that kind of thing. Somebody who's behaviorally unstable is not going to keep your secrets. Exactly. Which they're all behaviorally unstable, but they know right from wrong when it comes talking about murder to people. The next victim was named Gavin Porter. He lived with Philosakis in 1998. Both were on the methadone program. On the morning of his death, Porter was working on his car and still under the influence of drugs he and Blasakis had taken the night before. He fell asleep in the backseat of his car and was strangled by Bunting and Wagner. Don't know why. I mean... There had to be, like, Bunting went to Wagner and said, hey, you know, he's a pedophile. He had to say something. Yeah. And that was that. And just just to be clear, so far, there was really only 
if I'm, if I'm following this, Mm -hmm. there's really only one person who had like legitimate accusations against them of being an actual pedophile. Exactly. Aside from just the leader of the assholes being like, yeah. Okay. All right. I was just very, uh, very Hitler, if you will. Yeah. That's exactly the word that I was (laughs) going to use. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. Hmm. We can think of some other names. (laughs) (laughs) More current. Maybe. Perhaps. (laughs) More relevant. Uh, in any case, the next victim, gosh, I can't believe we've already, uh, Troy Yowd. While Troy Yowd was sleeping, he was hit with planks and jack handles by Bunting, Wagner, and Blasakis. He was dragged into a bathroom. Yowd was handcuffed, gagged, and had his toes squeezed by pliers. Again, that's the pulling of the toenails off. <sighs> I do believe this, yes, this is the, there's a scene in the movie where they actually, this is the one where they actually depict it. Before he died, Yad was forced to apologize for sexually abusing Blasakis, his stepbrother. What? So, yeah. <laughs> Troy Yad is Blasakis's stepbrother. Okay. And he was living in this house, obviously, with this whole combine. Yeah. To ensure he was dead, Wagner stood on Yad's chest. That's horrific. That scene is probably one of the hardest to watch, too, I will say. I mean, it's it's really well done, but it is... It's like watching Saul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where you just want to look away, but you can't because it's so gruesome. Well, and these are very brutal and intense ways that they're killing their victims. I, I you, you hear in a lot of cases in which one person takes another person's life, they can somewhat emotionally disconnect if it's something like shooting them. Sure. You know what I mean? Or poisoning them. Mm-hmm. It's like they can separate themselves from it a little bit. But if you're literally squeezing the life out of someone, if you're strangling them. And this is even a standing, stranger. Yeah. Standing on top of them so mm-hmm. that they literally can't take in breath. It gives me chills. I, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. People they know, too. And it's not even just yeah. like. Yeah. People that they have an emotional attachment to. Random people off the street. So you can't even say, oh, you know, no emotional connection. Well, I guess there isn't any because these people have no emotions. Mm, they're sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Gary O'Dwyer, an invalid pensioner who suffered a brain injury in a car crash. His death was described by Vislak. Blisakis, I knew I was going to screw that up eventually. <laughs> By Blisakis, uh, similar to that of Yaud, Bunting, Wet, Wagner, and Blisakis visited O'Dwyer's home for a few drinks, and O'Dwyer was grabbed and handcuffed, beaten, whipped with a belt, and given electric shocks. Oh, it's very Bob Bardella. Ah, uh, isn't it? It's very Bob Bardella. That's the Kansas ooh, City throwback. Butcher. For those of you who are unfamiliar, look it up. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, it really is. Yeah. With a few drinks, just yeah. chill out. Mm-hmm. Frederick Brooks was the next to disappear in September 1998. His mother, Jody Elliott, was engaged to Bunting and was the sister of victim Elizabeth Hayden, who will be next, which I should have done that in a different order. However, Brooks was handcuffed, gagged, beaten, given electric shocks, and burnt with cigarettes and a cigarette lighter. His toes were squeezed with pliers. That's their favorite thing, apparently. I don't know why. That's so gross and so... So mm. torturous. It is. His voice was tape recorded to help cover up his disappearance. I believe that's the one, too, where they, like, made him call uh, and leave voicemails. That or they, like, had him record something and then they would call and leave voicemails or something of that nature because they realized all these people were going missing. Maybe we should do something to 
explain why they're going missing, yeah. so to speak. To try to do it. Now, at this point, they're trying to cover their tracks a little. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Because they're kind of going outside of their large group in a way, too. Yeah. Or their small group in a way, too. So next, like I well, said. Well, they'd have to. They're, they're killing everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> they don't know anybody <laughs> Jesus else. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, like I said uh, before, Elizabeth Hayden... So Frederick Brooks was the sister of Elizabeth Hayden. Her disappearance in November 1998, so that was two months after he disappeared, aroused police suspicions. She was the wife of Mark Ray Hayden, which is one of the assholes. Um, After she went missing, family and friends were told she had locked herself in the bedroom after Bunting refused her advances. She later went to be with her boyfriend, they were told. Okay, so, yeah, he made up. Mark Ray Hayden says, oh, she's got this boyfriend. She went off to be with him. Gotcha. Whatever. The last of them all will be David Johnson, which was the last of 12 to die. He was lured in, which I want to say, uh, I said 11 victims before, mm-hmm. and I say the last of 12 to die. So that's a little, put a pin in that, too. Okay. The last of 12, of the 12 people to die, he was lured to the Snowtown Bank on the pretense of buying a computer after being driven to, to Snowtown by his stepbrother, Blasakis. This motherfucker's got a lot of stepbrothers. <laughs> I just gotta realize this that. This is a great, big, fucked up, extended family Blasakis situation. Blasakis is breathing, bringing in all of his brothers for some reason, which is kind of, like, interesting that I didn't realize before. Yeah. Anyways. After being driven to Snowtown by his stepbrother, Blasakis, Johnson was handcuffed and beaten. He was strangled with his own belt by bunting, and his body was cut up and put into barrels, which they all eventually were. So that's kind of like your, that's how they got there kind of thing. Gotcha. So they dismembered most of their victims and Uh put them in barrels. Yeah. Which is why it's the bodies and barrels case. Yes. Got it. Got it. There's a lot of bodies and barrels cases, but this one I think is like... A large amount of people, you know, and it's it's so complicated and incestuous and fucked up in the fact that, like I was saying before, not only the nature of like how you're murdering these people, but the fact that you know them in some fashion, at least the majority of the victims. I'm going to use this term in just like a media straight up like TMZ, you know, garbage media form. It's a sexy story. People love the incest, the intrigue, the the sex, the the torture. Yeah. It's something that people are intrigued by. They yeah. they want to know more. Yeah. So I'm surprised that we didn't know any more than we did, kind of thing. Yeah. And then you've got It's not sexy to me. I'm just no. saying that's how well, they would that's how they would describe it. Yeah. And you've got the anti-LGBTQI mm-hmm. people out there who We'll get behind the idea of this vigilanteism. Um, Wrapping together pedophilia and homosexuality. Which Which happened a lot during that time. Mm -hmm. Still happens, but especially during that time. And we'll kind of get more into that when we talk next. I'll talk about, you know, the actual perpetrators themselves. And that's a lot. It'll make a little more sense. Yeah, it's It's a lot. I didn't know. I I was reading these and I was like, I don't know if I can get through all of that. No, you're doing great. (laughs) Although I feel like you maybe need a break. Yeah, we need a break. Okay, we need a break. We need a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back. We're back, but we have news. We have news. Yes, this is completely not related or relevant (laughs) to anything that we've discussed so far today or maybe ever on this podcast. I think we have just like on like a shallow dive or we've referenced it because we both are obsessed with this fucking case. Absolutely. So it's like, 
I'm like red in the face. We have to talk about it yeah, for a second. Which is, yeah, which is why we have to share this information right now in real time. Yes. So by the time you hear this, it's going to be a little bit later o- later and older information. But this just shows our, our passion. <laughs> <laughs> I have news alerts on my phone from several um, like media outlets and whatnot. And uh, during the break, I literally look down and check my phone and am so gagged that Ashley's like, what? What's going on? What's happening? Tell mm-hmm. me. And um, the headline reads, Scott Peterson's death sentence in the murder of his pregnant wife overturned by the California Supreme Court. Which I, we don't know where all Everybody of our listeners on this. <laughs> stand, you know, where you land uh, on this side. But we have both discussed the fact that at one point in time, I thought he was guilty and I thought he deserved to rot behind bars. For the longest. For the longest time. Because of the media. <laughs> yeah, because of the media sensation and yes. the way that the case was handled and the mm-hmm. way that the case was reported during the actual the investigation and the of trial. Him, the video, yeah, all yeah. of that. But if you actually go out and do a little bit of research, if you actually watch some of the amazing documentaries that have been made recently. Yes. The murder of, of Lacey Peterson on Amazon Prime yeah. changed my life. And it, then I did my own research too. Absolutely. I did the exact same thing and I no longer believes no. he is responsible for the death of his wife. I, I don't. And I absolutely think he deserves a new trial, which is ultimately what the article said. Okay. Was that the death sentence has been overturned, leading, um, uh, leaving open the possibility that he could get uh, a retrial. Well, and we preach this all the time. Uh if you don't have the forensic evidence, they shouldn't be behind bars. Like, that's just it. Like, yeah. and that's kind of the thing, too. Maybe he was involved. I firmly believe this man is not the kind of man who could actually murder someone. Yeah. Maybe he was involved. But even if that were the case, it wouldn't be murder charges. It would be something like racketeering or, like, something yeah. of that nature. Because there, there's no forensic evidence yeah. that he should be behind bars. There's literally no forensic evidence, no biological evidence, no... no concrete physical evidence of any kind. Really the only evidence that help that is there it proves that he couldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) The media and the prosecution and anybody else who was involved in this did one thing and one thing only. They made him an asshole. They made him an asshole. He was an asshole. They proved that he was an adulterer and they proved that he was a piece of shit husband. absolutely. They did not prove that he was was a murderer. murderer. So I've said that. I'm like, you can prove over and over again that that guy sucked. Yeah. But that doesn't make him a murderer. Yeah. And like... (laughs) He might even be a sociopath because he doesn't seem to really care that his wife's dead. But at the end of the day... That doesn't make him a murderer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know so. people whose parents pass away and they're like, oh, thank God. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. So it just depends on your circumstance. Exactly. Not saying that, thank God she died. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. No. But tragic, tragic story. Yeah. Tragic situation. Story. However, do Crazy I think, story. do I think he deserves to be on death row for it or imprisoned at all? Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. Uh, Absolutely. Someone does, for sure. For sure. I have my theories, and everybody, I want to talk more about that. (laughs) Send us your ideas. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Okay, let's get back to... Let's get back to Snowtown. (laughs) We're going back to Snowtown, or really Adelaide. So now we'll talk about the perpetrators. There were several individuals involved in the murders, as we've mentioned before. The three men charged were named... John Bunting, Robert Wagner, and Mark Hayden, as I said at the very beginning, but there's a lot of names flying around right now. Um, Additionally, 
another named James Lasakis, pled guilty to four to four murders and provided testimony in exchange for a lesser sentence. So ultimately, spoiler alert, that's kind of how they get, you know, led up is Lasakis decides I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make myself in. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So first, we'll start with the lead, the head asshole, if you will. John Justin Bunting, born on the 4th of September, 1966, in Inala, I believe, Queensland, was found to be the leader of the Sick and Twisted group. That's what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I respect it. That's hilarious. I respect it. Uh, When he was eight years old, Bunting was beaten and sexually assaulted by a friend's older brother. So it makes a little bit of sense, you know. He is reported to have... Quote, enjoyed weaponry, photography, and anatomy, which is interesting when you lump it all together, and grew to develop a strong hatred of pedophiles and homosexuals. At age 22, Bunting worked at an abattoir, also known as a slaughterhouse. He reportedly bragged about slaughtering the animals, saying that that's what he enjoyed the most. Bunting moved to a house in Salisbury, North South Salisbury North, South Australia in 1991 and befriended his neighbors Mark Hayden and Robert Wagner. There we go. Wagner's romantic partner, Vanessa Lane, a.k.a. Barry Lane, was a male cross-dresser with a history of pedophilia. Like an actual history of pedophilia. Okay. So it's interesting that Wagner... So Wagner, you know, this guy who's going to become an asshole... Mm -hmm meets the head asshole and has a partner who is cross-dresser and has a history of pedophilia. Do you see where we're going with this? Yeah. Yeah. Robert Joe Wagner, born the 28th of November, 1971, in Paramita, New South Wales, was befriended by Bunting in 1991. Bunting encouraged Wagner to assist in various murders. That's really all that's written about him. Uh, Mark, Mark Ray Hayden would be the next guy. Born on the 4th of December, 1958, an associate of Bunting was initially the subject of, quote, suppression orders or statutory provisions prohibiting publication and could not therefore be identified as anything other than an alleged perpetrator. In January 1999, he reportedly rented the abandoned state bank building at Snowtown, which would be where the last murder took place and where they found a lot of the barrels. Gotcha. So, yeah, that they couldn't write anything about him for whatever that law is that I will never understand because we're not in Australia. (laughs) They have protection laws, which it's interesting. It's interesting how it's different, you know, country to country. I'm always so intrigued at the differences and Mm -hmm. uh, the laws that that protect or or don't the perpetrators. Well, a lot of other countries really believe a lot in rehabilitation too. So that's part of it. It's like if this person can be rehabilitated, then you don't necessarily want their whole record out there, I suppose. Yeah, we don't want that to follow them if they legitimately are... Unlike here, where it's like a, a sex offender moves into a neighborhood and the whole neighborhood has to be notified. Yeah. I'm not sure where I sit on that Yeah. fence. <laughs> I really don't know. I, I think it really has to be kind of considered or... Um, viewed in a, uh, on an individual basis, considered uh, yes. on an individual basis. What? Yeah. yeah, what do you know about this person already? That yeah. makes sense, Yeah. So the last person would be James Jamie Lasakis, born the 24th of of December, 1979. So he was much younger than the rest of them. 
along with his mother and half-brother, lived with Bunting and was gradually drawn into helping with the murders. Lasakis, 23, helped torture and kill his own half-brother, Troy Yowd, and his stepbrother, David Johnson. So, kind of bring that, yeah. yeah. We talked about that, but now it kind of makes more sense when you hone in. He confessed in 2001 to four murders, including Johnson's, and became a key witness for the Crown. Uh, he, the, which, okay, so Crown prosecutors in Australia, I kind of wrote like a little side note because I was like, I don't know what that means. They are the public prosecutors in the legal system of Australia. In Western Australia, they're, they're Western Australia, they are referred to as state prosecutors. So they basically like represent the Commonwealth. Gotcha. The detail that Blasakis provided, supported by other evidence, helped convict Bunting and Wagner. Blasakis was sentenced in 2002 to a minimum of 26 years and is held in isolation in an unidentified South Australia prison. So he was like, okay, I don't want to spend my whole life in prison, mm-hmm. but I'll spend 26 years in isolation away from everyone that might want to kill me. Gotcha. Okay. So Bunting and Wagner are really the only two that kind of get the full brunt of the legal system and like punishment for their crimes. Everybody else kind of copped a deal. Pretty much. Ah. Pretty much. Yeah. So well, we will break that down actually right now because I'm okay. right at the trial and the prosecution. Yeah. So this lasted... The trial of Bunting and Wagner, as we just said, lasted almost 12 months. And like I said before, was the longest trial in the history of South Australia, which I assume it still is because this was updated not that long ago. In December 2003, Bunting was convicted of committing 11 murders and Wagner of 10 murders, of which he had only confessed to three. So I guess Wagner confessed to three of them. They convicted him of 10. They are both serving life sentences without parole. Good. Velisakis pled guilty to four of the murders. And then in 2004, so that would be the year after, Hayden, the other gentleman, not really gentleman, (laughs) Hayden was convicted on five counts of assisting with the murders, of which he admitted to two. The final count against Bunting and Wagner, that was murdering Suzanne Allen, the one that I said we weren't going to... The, okay. The, so they, there was no like really like account of how she was murdered mm-hmm. because it was dropped. Uh, they both claimed that their dismember so the dismembered body was found in the home of Bunting and Wagner in eleven garbage bags in the backyard, and Bunting and Wagner claimed that Miss Allen died of a heart attack before they dismembered her and buried her remains inside the garbage bags. Prosecutors formally tendered no evidence in relation to Miss Allen's death because the director of public prosecutions ruled it would not be in the public interest to press ahead with a retrial. So basically it was like, we've already got him on all this shit. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit like how she died? Which is kind of messed up. Yeah, I'm sure her family <laughs> gives a shit. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That's kind of what yeah. they just, they, they, you know, it was dropped. A jury was, so it, in 2007 though, that's when yeah. it was dropped. That's how long it took. 
they finally took it to a jury and they were unable to reach a verdict. So they just said, forget about it, Um, which they are serving life sentences. They're not going to get out ever. And we do, I think, see that in a lot of cases where people who are being charged with like multiple offenses, Mm -hmm. maybe there's not enough evidence to convict them for one specific crime or one specific victim. And oftentimes the prosecutors or law enforcement agency would be like, well, I mean, they're going to spend the rest of their life. Like, so it doesn't matter bars. anyways, but like so you said. it doesn't said, matter, but it matters to the family. Exactly. It matters yeah, to so, people that know them. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think we've been saying this a lot. I'm not sure where I stand. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure where I fall with regard to that. Um, I think it depends on whether or not that victim's family uh, and loved ones and friends are satisfied or not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I have just a little bit left to say, and this is real frustrating too. Um, And I think we see this a lot, too, with, like, the cockiness of certain serial killers. The last thing I'll add is Justice Justice Brian Ross Martin determined that Bunting was the ringleader and sentenced him to 11 consecutive terms of life imprisonment without the possibility of release on parole. Wagner was sentenced to 10 consecutive terms under the same conditions, and at his sentencing, he stated from the dock, Pedophiles were doing terrible things to children. The authorities didn't do anything about it. I decided to take action. I took that action. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I paused and everything. Yeah, you did. That was perfect. Uh, Vlasakis was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences with a non-parole period of 26 years. So it's interesting how the one website worded it, saying that he got 26 years, and Mm -hmm. this one's stating it that he's eligible for parole in 26 years, which kind of just shows the difference in justice systems, I feel. Like, if it were here, it'd be like, ah, that guy's never getting out. But Mm -hmm. they they almost led you to believe that he would get out after 26 years. I found that to be interesting. It is interesting. Uh, Hayden was sentenced to 25 years with no possibility of parole for 18 years. So that's interesting, too, because I guess he wasn't tied enough. There wasn't enough evidence that whatever. More than 250 suppression orders prevented publication of the details of this case. In early 2011, a judge lifted the remaining orders in response to a request by the producer of the film Snowtown, a dramatization depicting the murders and events leading up to, the, to uh, leading up to them. So, yeah, it wasn't until 2011 that like people really knew knew the story, the actual story. And that doesn't surprise me. I remember back when MySpace was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who lived in New South Wales in Australia. That's where she was born yeah. and raised. That's where she's always lived. And she's told me a lot of things indifferent, like when it comes to like car crash scenes or like dead bodies on the road. Like the general public doesn't see that. It's covered up like white sheets are there faster than anybody could really see it because wow. it's considered to be, you know, indecent. Mm-hmm. You don't need people to be scared you don't need them to see that kind of thing so it's that makes sense that how they would suppress it 250 suppression orders it's i mean it's again i i don't exactly know how i feel about that because i can appreciate the fact that they're trying to i guess in a way do that very parental thing where you're like i want to shield uh the citizens i want to uh i want to be that you know, paternal uh, force that is shielding people from, from the big, bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, But just because they don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. So have you really done them any favors? I'm pretty sure there's a whole episode of Black Mirror about that. 
Okay. Do you remember the one? There's one where like you can put a chip in a kid's in a in a baby or a child or a whatever age, someone that is younger than 18 that you birthed. You can take them in, put a chip in their head where like it literally has a parental filter. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, the, this one little girl is terrified of this dog down the street. So when she sees this dog, it doesn't. It's kind of like, you know, when you used to watch an old movie and something would be blurred out. They're mm-hmm. not supposed to see. That's what it looks like. But okay. it very much shows how that's not exactly helpful. Yeah. For someone to grow up. Yeah. And developmentally, exactly. it, it can't be healthy. Where is the line, though? Like, what do we need yeah. to shield people from versus, like, what do you need to see? Yeah, like, what benefits you developmentally versus what scars you mm-hmm. and fucks you up. Exactly. I That's a that's really something I've never considered until, like, this You moment. need to watch that episode. You do. Okay, yeah. Yep, everybody does. So, yeah, that's the story of freaking Snowtown. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I know. It's so interesting. It's crazy. It's crazy. I let, well, we're both, I think, a little bit intrigued by these kind of like cult-like groups. Absolutely. I've always been so interested in like, how do you just get these sheep? I I have no idea. I've with, never. With the thing, like the things that these people are pushing on people. Like, how do you get convinced that like, yep, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Yep. This sounds good. I mean, I, I definitely think that there are, well, <laughs> <laughs> there are people who will follow blindly these orders, orders or these people who are so emphatic about what it is that they're doing being correct. Yeah. That I think we see it. On a daily basis, especially in this country. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> you're right. But we don't always see it to this extent. You know, the severity of the crimes, I guess. Well, and I guess I forget, too, that, like, most of the time they're mentioning that these people are either neighbors of or live in the house of yeah. this leader. And, and and even in the movie Snowtown, like, the major motion picture, it's kind of confusing because you're like, wait, now who's that? And are yeah. they related or are they not? And, like... But it is the best way to kind of, like, I know I tried my hardest to make it comprehensive, but that's kind of the best way, if you're intrigued by the story, to just kind of watch it and see it for yourself so it makes more sense. (laughs) But it's it's messed up, man. It's one of those those situations where, like, you literally look at it or or hear about it and go, you can't make this shit up. Exactly, right? It's not, it's definitely, yeah, it's stranger than fiction. Yeah. Well, I thought you did an excellent job of sharing that story with us. Thank you. I can't wait to hear yours now. Yeah. Should we take a quick break? <laughs> Let's take a break and come back. Quick break. Okay, Ashley, are you ready for this? I'm so ready. Okay. Yeah. It's it's admittedly not going to be a super long story because it was it was kind of hard to find uh, some information about this particular case, but it's super interesting. Um, I've had never heard of it before. So I figure if I hadn't heard of it, you maybe hadn't either. And some of the listeners probably hadn't. Um, So this, my friend, is the story of former Mr. Gay UK, Anthony Morley. Do you know anything about this one? 
the I've seen the name and the only reason I've seen the name is when we started doing this is I looked up like on Wikipedia a list of like the okay, most yeah. heinous LGBT crimes. I have no fucking clue though anything about it. So it's probably uh, maybe the same list that I found his name on. Okay. I just I think like, I sent it to you and I was like bookmark this shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I was going through the list and I saw his name and I saw the title like okay. Mr. Gay UK yeah. and I yeah. was like. Wait. Yes. Okay. I feel like I remember that title too. Let me take like, a look. Mm, let's revisit that later. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I have no idea anything about this, yeah. so I'm excited. All right. Yay. Okay. Here we go. So, on the morning of April 24th of 2008, a man wearing a blood-stained nightshirt stumbled into a kebab restaurant located in the city of Leeds, England, uh, which is approximately 270 kilometers north of central London. The man, 36-year-old Anthony Morley, explained that he had killed someone who attempted to rape him and begged the business owners to contact the police. Uh, When law enforcement arrived, they were directed to Morley's apartment, which was nearby, uh, because he identified that as actually being the scene of the attack. That's where everything had taken place. Uh, On entering the flat, officers were met with a strong, unpleasant smell that they believed to be cooked pork. Oh, They believed it to be cooked pork, uh, that is, until they entered the kitchen and, quote, saw what was on the chopping board. Oh, no. So that's my my hook. I'm literally feeling like (laughs) Dr. Lecter right now or something. Oh, and I'm sorry. I forgot to cite my sources. Uh, I did get this information from pressreader.com. Reddit.com and MrGayUK.co. I love some good Reddit information. I do as well. I do as well. So, all right, we kind of know how this all sort of began, uh, but in a true me fashion, mm-hmm. who the fuck, who the fuck? <laughs> is Anthony Morley? Uh, Anthony, Anthony Morley, excuse me, is a former model, dancer, and television personality who was born in Leeds uh, in 1972. Uh, I wasn't able to find a lot of information regarding uh, Morley's upbringing, but we do know that as a little boy, he had dreams of becoming a dancer, which I always think is super sweet. Uh, as a teenager, Morley began engaging in relationships with both women and men, causing the young man to question his sexual orientation. That was actually, yeah, that was actually a confusion and frustration that would extend into his adult life. And yeah, you can relate. In 1993, at the age of 21, uh, Morley entered the Mr. Gay UK competition, uh, where he was actually awarded first prize. And uh, first prize was a cash sum of a thousand pounds. He got a Spanish beach vacation. And of course, he got the title of Mr. Gay UK. At, I least, assume at least for that year. I assume it's mostly just like a bodybuilding competition. It's not like, is it like a beauty pageant? I'm or? glad that you asked because I, I did include yeah. an explanation. Okay. Uh, for anybody who's unaware, Mr. Gay UK is an annual beauty contest for gay men all throughout the regions of the UK. Um, now, I do want to mention here that if you do any sort of research into the life of Anthony Morley, you will read that he was the first winner of the Mr. Gay UK competition. But according to the website, MrGayUK.co, the contest actually began in 1982, originally named Mr. Hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I 
wish they had kept it, Mr. Hardware. Like that seems, I seems I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm totally into it. Like I have a full image of what that must have been like at the time. I don't know if in and my I love it. In my mind, I'm just I'm just like I just think like magic Mike. Maybe yeah. that's why, because it's a little straight man sounding. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. They need a little bit so well yeah. and also too like when it first became a thing, let's think of like when drag was first a thing. It was completely illegal what they were doing. Yeah. You know? So that's probably exactly why it had to be something a little bit more uh inconspicuous. Something that didn't have gay literally in the literally, title. Literally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can yeah, that's something I didn't consider. Um, but, uh, 1982, uh, the competition or the contest began under the name Mr. Hardware, uh, but then changed names to Mr. Gay UK actually in 1984. So not that long after. Yeah. They were like, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) So the claim that Morley, uh, was the first to win this competition nine years later Mm -hmm. didn't quite add up to me. Um, I think some of the confusion surrounding this stems from the fact that 1993 was the first year that the competition was televised. Uh, so maybe that was the first time kind of the general public or population knew anything about it. I was assuming that was the first year that they changed the name, but that's no, no. Yeah. So yeah. So it's, it's more, Broadcast. Exactly. And it's kind of the first time anybody outside of that, like, circle really knew anything about it. So I think he's just commonly associated with being the first to hold the title, despite the fact that my research would kind of indicate that that's not necessarily true. Well, there's probably a lot of straight people out there that think that RuPaul is the first drag The first queen, drag queen so. ever. Yeah. Probably so. Yeah. Unless you are watching it or hearing about it on your TV. It uh, didn't happen, didn't right? didn't happen. <laughs> All right. So what comes next? Uh, Despite winning the aforementioned beauty contest and becoming a minor celebrity in the UK gay community, Anthony Morley never actually identified as homosexual. Mm -hmm. Uh, But instead, he stated that the idea made him feel, quote, worried and insecure, Uh, going so far as to say that he just wanted to be normal. Aww. Which is sad. It is. It's terrible. And that's part of the reason I included it because it's a super sad statement. I get it. It's that very feeling. impactful. And I think any queer person has been there at least once oh, for in sure. their life. At least once. Probably at least once a day. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, yeah, during like, like during the more difficult times. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, despite the fact that he felt that way, though, it, that didn't stop Morley from taking advantage of the opportunities that being Mr. Gay UK gave him. Soon after his whim, uh, Morley moved to London, where he pursued a career in modeling and dance uh, and even made a few appearances on television. One such program was called God's Gift. Oh, no. Yeah. God's Gift was a late night dating show where each week five male contestants would compete with each other to win the affections and votes of a female audience or in the case of when the show did gay specials, a male audience, which is the, um, the, the episode that he participated in. Okay. That was going to be the question. Yeah. It was a, a, it was a gay special. Okay. Um, the winner's prize would be to take an audience member of his choice out on a date, uh, which was then filmed and broadcast for the following week's show. Morley, who I put here, was no stranger to snatching trophies. Um, He was actually crowned God's gift during his episode and won a date with a gentleman by the name of Damien Oldfield. 
Uh, A significant relationship between the two men did not develop from that meeting, but they remained friendly and in contact with one another. Uh, Unable to establish himself as a successful model and or dancer, uh, Morley actually ended up leaving London, returning to Leeds to pursue a career in the culinary arts. Okay. Okay. So, so far, things seem to be okay. We hear a lot of culinary artism with serial killers, though. <laughs> we do. Butchers yeah. and culinary arts yeah. are a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... since something is going to happen. Yes, yeah, something is amiss. <laughs> uh, I mean, plus, I've already intrigued you a bit I bet. the there smell of pork and <laughs> a chopping board. All right, so where did things begin to go wrong? Uh, on his return to Leeds, Anthony Morley trained as a chef uh, and worked at a number of top eateries in the city, eventually becoming a sous chef at a successful seafood restaurant. Nice. Yeah. Uh, his personal life, however, remained complicated. During those years, Morley had a long-term relationship with an unnamed woman that ended after approximately three years' time, as well as a five-year relationship with a man whose name was Sean Wood. According to Wood, that relationship ended when a drunk Morley attacked him with a meat cleaver during an argument that the couple was having over their finances. Uh, Yeah. Seems a little extreme. That doesn't sound like gay, man. It sounds like lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm glad that you made that joke because I wanted to, to. but I'm not allowed to. No, you're always allowed to in my presence. I'm going to say that right now for future episodes. I've gotten a pass. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) All right. But it's true, though. Yeah. So that relationship ended. He's single. Um, Then on April 23rd of 2008, Morley reconnected uh, in person with his old friend slash ex-boyfriend, Damien Oldfield. Remember, he's the guy that he won the date with on uh, God's Gift. Um, They, nothing really blossomed from that, but they stayed in contact, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, He was considered, at least by the research that I did, to be uh, his ex-boyfriend, though, at the time. I guess because they had dated just a little bit. Sure. All right, so they reconnected. Uh, According to phone records, the the two had been exchanging text messages and agreed to spend an evening together as long as they could, and this was by Morley's request, take things slow. Uh, Oldfield met Morley at his flat where the man prepared a meal for the two, remember, because he's a talented chef. Oh, I've lost my place. Um... Meal for the two. There you are. And there we are. Uh, and then they decided after the meal to move their date into the bedroom to watch the, and uh, this is a sign of the times, to watch the DVD, oh. Brokeback Mountain. No. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Um, and they Could would, you be more cliche? Yeah. They would also kiss and cuddle a bit. Honestly, I'm going to say it. I don't like that movie. I don't like that movie. I don't think it's that great. I love what it did. And I watched it and I paid money for it for, mm-hmm. for a good reason, but I just didn't think it was that great. Um, I will get off on this little tangent and try not to stay on it for too long, mm-hmm. but the, the issue that I had with Brokeback Mountain is the same issue I had with um, Call Me By Your Name and mm-hmm. things like that. I don't understand why the tragic gay love stories... The, the movies that end in tragedy or like some sort of sadness or the couple like not staying together and the relationship not being successful. I don't understand why those are always sure. 
the most successful movies. You're not wrong. Like, why can't there be uh, a movie that does super well in the box offices and really well reviewed and like wins awards where like a gay couple or a lesbian couple or a transgender, you know, like relationship situation is successful. Even my favorite, like LGBT, like Milk. I I mean, it's a a real story. It's not just a movie, but like at the end of the day, I think it did so well because... Because it's it tragic. ends in tragedy. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you think back huh. to all the ones that have done so well, yeah. they always end in tragedy. And that I I take some kind of like internal offense to. I don't blame you. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So they had a great meal. They decided to go upstairs to the bedroom, kiss, cuddle, watch the DVD of Brokeback Mountain because they couldn't just stream it from you know Netflix at the time. <laughs> Um, according to Morley, the alcohol that he had consumed with dinner caused him to fall asleep during the movie. And when he woke, Oldfield was performing a sex act on him that he had not consented to. Ew. Yeah. Um, so That's upsetting. It, it is upsetting. It, I, it's upsetting. I don't uphold anybody in the wrong that they've done. And I understand, like, that violation because... Especially considering the fact that you specifically said to this person, we can have a date, but I want to take things slowly. I've just gotten out of a relationship. I'm very sensitive right now. Plus, he already has this kind of, like, confusion and insecurity around his sexuality. Sure. Um, So, what happened is not okay, Okay. but his reaction is really not okay. Extra not okay. Yeah. All right. So, feeling betrayed, violated, and, quote, out of control... Morley proceeded to grab a chef's knife, cut the man's throat, and begin violently stabbing him. Oh my god. Yeah, the attack didn't stop until Morley had stabbed Oldfield in excess of 30 times about the neck and torso, and the poor man's body was nearly exsanguinated. And if anybody's Mm. not familiar with the term uh, exsanguinated, that just means uh, essentially drained completely of blood. Okay, which I was going to say this before. It also makes you question, is that even... What really happened. Exactly. Yeah. Because we've been here before. We have been here before. <laughs> Later, uh, when explaining the events that transpired next, Morley said, quote, I can only say at some point, Damien's body just became something I would deal with at work. He became a piece of meat. What? That's oh. the only thing I could think of. That my what? daily task of preparing meat... Um, which didn't make a lot of sense, but that's a direct quote from him. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess paraphrasing, he's saying after he realized he'd killed this person, he's thinking, well, what can I do about it now? And Act like I'm at work. I will behave as though I'm at work and I'm going to take his body and prepare it the way that I would like cut and prepare meat at work. I mean, it, that's one way to desensitize yourself, I suppose. I suppose. Oh, super desensitizing. Like, geez, Louise. So he drags Damien's lifeless body into the kitchen where the chef carved a large section of flesh from the man's thigh and a second large section of flesh from his chest. Mm -hmm. Morley then proceeded to cut those pieces of meat into six small steaks. He seasoned them with fresh herbs and pan fried them in olive oil. So that's just his skin, right? Or is it... These are large sections of flesh. So I I think this is also... I think this is skin, muscle... Yeah. Just peeling the whole thing off. Yeah. (sighs) 
All but one piece was found uh, on the kitchen's cutting board. The final piece, so that like sixth piece, uh, was found partially chewed and discarded in the waste bin. So he tried it, didn't like it. Oh my exactly, God. Exactly. According to Morley, he spat it out because the taste, quote, was not to his liking. <laughs> I don't even know. I wish words. people could see the look on your face right now. I just what? Yeah. I mean, like, how do more people not know about this case? That's what right? I'm saying. Like, yeah. that's cr- I mean, okay. I feel like if someone is going to go the extra mile of like actually eating, it's one thing if you're a butcher or someone who's a chef, say to like chop the body up and know what to do with those parts because you know how to cut meat and bone mm-hmm. and whatever the case may be. But like you took it a step further and decided to actually cook and eat. So you had to have some intrigue. And season with fresh herbs. That's, yeah. Like <laughs> you're just, he, I don't mean to laugh. That's he not prepared funny, that's, these fresh herbs. That's like a, all I can do is laugh because I get I laugh when I'm nervous. That makes me nervous. Like that's that's I feel like usually when someone decides to eat a person they know that they want to do it so it's crazy to me that like he tried it didn't like it and just mm-hmm. spat it out that's where was his mind at that's so i yeah i, it's I a don't space that i don't even know yeah i don't think any of us could even you take it this like because we used transphobia in the last episode as mm-hmm. a thing so this could be like the whole you know i say whatever happened to him did happen to him right and he gets mad and kills someone okay fine you can argue that if you want. Yeah. I don't believe it, but you can argue it. Yeah. But then, <laughs> this you, is like a whole day's worth of work. Yeah. You, like, took it a step further. You, like, did a whole Hannibal Lecter situation, and... I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not even proud of you because you couldn't go all the way through with it. You're, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, if you're going to be that fucked up, be, be that, that fucked, fucked up. up. Commit. Yeah. I, Ugh. Yeah, I, I can understand uh, what you mean by that. That's so gross, though. So, okay, how did how did he get caught? All right, well, as we said in the beginning, yeah. he stumbled down to the kebab restaurant, yeah, said, yeah. I killed someone in self-defense. He tried to rape me. Okay. Um, so, what actually happened, uh, the police show up. They go to the apartment because he identified that as being uh, the Where scene of the crime. And they find... And they find, yeah, they find this dead body that has literally chunks carved out of, of it, of him. And they see that this man has attempted to cook and eat portions of this dead person. I'm sure that officer could never eat pork again. No. Um, But what ultimately happened? Yeah. Um, They obviously showed up, saw everything that was going on, took him into custody for at least further questioning. Um, so what ended up happening was Morley did confess to Damien Oldfield's death, um, but he denied that the attack was murder. He argued that he had suffered a mental break, which caused uh, him to react in a, in a very violent way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's temporary unlikely, insanity yeah, temporary insanity. Um, people have reported that it's unlikely that the true motive for the senseless crime uh, will ever really be understood. However, people do speculate uh, that this was caused by a behavioral disorder, um, a behavioral disorder caused by Morley's confusion, insecurity, and anger surrounding his sexual orientation. 
The trial took place over the course of two weeks uh, at the Leeds Crown Court, and ultimately Morley was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 30 years time to be served. So only a two-week trial because he essentially did confess. The only thing they were trying to prove was, I guess, intent, uh, cause, uh, because he said kind of wasn't in control of myself at the time. Uh, but regardless, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison, and he will serve at least 30 years of that time. Uh-uh. And like I said, not a ton of information out there about this case, so that's all that I have, but it was just too interesting not I to mean, share. that is an insane case. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it almost makes you, like, feel a little bit bad for the guy because you're like, where is your head at? Like, mm-hmm. what goes on so bad that that was your... I don't know. It's almost like a way out. Yeah. Well, and two, I, I don't uphold. And I say it all the time. I don't uphold anybody oh, in no, the murder sure. or the crimes that they commit. But he obviously was someone who behaviorally was really, really, really struggling with his sexual identity and his sexual orientation and just being comfortable in his own skin. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like there had to have been a lot of just really suppressed anger. um, And it became (laughs) non-suppressed in the worst possible way. He did. He suffered a break, like you said, which is, doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. But holy crap. Yeah. And again, I think anybody who has ever struggled with confusion and fear and insecurity about who they genuinely are can relate to at least 2% of how this person might have been feeling. Right. The other 98%, no ma'am. That's like I said, what's going on up there? What was happening in your mind that like, we will never understand because our minds don't work the same way, but we're always going to be intrigued by it. We're always going to question and want to know more. Yeah. We're always going to want to dive into that dark side of the rainbow. rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are we, are we there? I think so. Are we at the time? Yeah. The goodbye time? The mic drop time? I don't we think did. I've said that. We haven't said that in a while. That <laughs> in is season funny. season two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I don't have anything else. Um, and your story was lovely. Oh, my gosh. Such a long story, but yeah. so intriguing. Yeah. Thank you. And your story, I, I'm glad I never read that story before. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of shock factor there. Yeah. So thank you. No, thank you. And but, thank everyone. But really thank you. No, but thank you. <laughs> and thank everyone else. You're correct. And thank everyone else. Yeah. All the queens, all the kings, and all the folks for joining us again on uh, an episode of the Slay Queens podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you have gone back and listened to our previous episodes. And we hope that you are following us on our social medias. Ashley, do you want to tell them about our social medias? Slay Queens Pod. Pretty much everywhere. Basically Instagram, everywhere. <laughs> Facebook. All of the all the platforms. All yeah. of them. Yeah. So uh, hit us up there. And if you want to contact us for any reason, you can absolutely dive into the DMs. Uh, I love it when you say that too. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also slaykqueenspod at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. If you want to uh, contact us by by email Mm -hmm. but thank you thank you thank you all so much again and that's all i have do you have anything else go out and slay queens yeah just go out and slay just not just not each other not each other
I'm going away, but I won't come back on a lonesome railroad line. But I can't forget that sweet.